Off the ball. The last battle in the Ronaldo-Messi war mm. was that World Cup and uh, Ronaldo lost it and then, then he ended up at like an Al Nasser. Subscribe now to the OTB Football Podcast stream wherever you get your podcasts and download the OTB Sports app. OTB AM with Gillette Labs. Get the ultimate shave or your money back. Neon Night Edition available now. Now, we're turning our attention to the other big merger in world sport after uh, Liv and the PGA Tour. And that's the uh, putative merger between the GEA, the LGFA and the Camogie Association. And I'm delighted to welcome uh, Dr. Katie Liston and Conor Myler to the show. Katie Liston is a senior lecturer at Ulster University. And of course, Conor Myler, apart from being a decent footballer, is also a PhD researcher in sport, leadership and gender. You're both very welcome to the show. Katie, I might start with you. Um, you guys decided to do this as a piece of work while the merger was happening. So can you talk to us a little bit about how the idea came to pass and what was involved in it? Sure, Ger. Good morning. Thank, thanks for having us. Um, I suppose the first thing to say is we're careful not to use the word merger. And, and you'll see why in a few minutes. But the reason why we started this work is because we realised, having looked at the research, that we know very little about what would be, uh, I suppose, a good model and a useful pathway for a multi-entity, multi-sport merger, the term that you used. Now, we know that in the unanimous passing of the motion, the word integration was used. So I think that's a more open, inclusive approach, and it potentially offers a number of options going down the line, one of which our recommendation might be that we would consider actually building a new organization for Gaelic Games rather than a merger as such. So essentially, this came out of the recognition that we don't have a theoretically informed and an evidence-based pathway. And we hope that in putting this into the public domain in a very constructive spirit, that it will be available to all those in the Gaelic Games family to be able to grapple with the issues at stake. Okay, so this isn't a piece of work that has been commissioned by the GEA. It's not officially a piece of work by any of the three organisations. It's off your own uh, creativity and and, uh, off your own bat, really. It is, and I, I'll maybe hand you over to Connor because Connor's now undertaking doctoral research, as you've identified, and his research will actually look at the theme of gender equality in sport. Connor, good morning to you. Morning, Jay. Uh, thanks for having us. So, as Katie alluded to, yeah, this is part of my PhD project, which through TUS and support of, of Aoife, Dr. Aoife Lane as my supervisor, and with Katie here from Ulster University. So, um, it's part of a, a wider project, and as Katie alluded to, it was probably too good of an opportunity to to turn down when we seen that there was no research on it, um, and then the wider sphere of gender equality in sport and leadership, which is what I was initially studying. Um, this made sense to to delve into. Well, it's a, in the live environment. A massive thing is happening in Irish sporting history that kind of. Uh, grapples with all of the questions that you are studying at the moment. So, uh, good timing. It is good timing, without a doubt. And I think that we have an opportunity here to do something historical. We have three associations which have such strong traditions in in Irish sport and society that we have an opportunity now to sort of you know come forward and say, look how we treat women in sport and particularly in, in Gaelic Games and the representation, the female representation. What we could do here now with Gaelic Games family is is something that 
you know, not just for 10 years time, 50 years time, 100 years time, the impact it could have, uh, you know, for the future of the sport. It's huge. And also how we acknowledge females in Irish society, the impact it could have there and the ripple effects post-merger or uh, post-integration is is huge. You obviously felt, Connor, that there were issues that needed to be addressed, that needed to be diagnosed uh, before they can be fixed. Is is that what drew you to this field of study in the first place? Well, look, I'll be totally honest, Jer. I probably didn't see myself initially going into this research. And once I was probably made a wee bit more aware of some of the issues that were going on and the disparity between the men's association and the two female associations, I probably felt somebody had to speak up and say something and do something about it. And I'm probably coming at it from a different angle as a male inter-county player. Um, I have been very fortunate throughout my career that I haven't had a lot of the issues that some of the females have faced in the, you know, through the camogie and the ladies football with access and facilities and, and funding and, and everything else that comes with it. I haven't faced that. And to be honest, I probably will never fully understand some of the, you know, the issues that, that some of these uh, ladies have faced. And that's, that's now probably given me a sense of purpose to actually go and do something worthwhile and say, yeah, you know, I can do something about this here. And, you know, as a male, I do think that we have to be able to, you know, stand up and speak out about it. Um, you're coming at it from a, from a different angle as such and you're that sort of advocate in favour uh, in support as well. Yeah. I guess, Katie, a, a merger or integration of this size and scale in this country is, is unprecedented, but you did use a, a case study of the uh, the formation of Golf Ireland, which, interestingly as well, came from a, a new, two single-sex organisations. So that was obviously utilised to your, to your advantage as well to see how it can work. It was. So what, what we did is the, the first stage, and we spent about four or five months on this, so it's really great to be able to get it into the public domain now. We first of all scanned all of the available research on mergers and integration, both in corporate, business and public sectors. And in the public sector, that's where most of national governing bodies sit. They're actually quasi-public sector bodies when you, when you look at their structure and status. We also then recognise that there are distinctive elements in the Irish context uh, and particularly the history heritage of the three associations, the extent to which they're deeply, deeply embedded in the Irish psyche and in Irish culture. So for that reason, we also felt it was an opportune moment to try to understand what had happened in Gulf Ireland, which is a very recent case. It is a single sex integration process, but probably the exception to the norm in Gulf Ireland compared to what we've seen internationally at the end of that process, it was very clear to all involved that if they were serious about equality, they would establish a new entity, which is what they did. So essentially, at the end of uh, a process that has a number of stages to it, which we outline in, in the project, what it might look like, the Golfing Union of Ireland, the men's GUI, was formally dissolved. The ILGU was formally dissolved to be able to create the new Golf Ireland that has a number of underpinning principles firmly embedded to equality. It's interesting as well, like you, you look at the, the GA Congress in February we mentioned and, and like an overwhelming passing of the motion to prioritise this merging or integration, um, but there were 10% of delegates that voted against that uh, motion, Katie. So is that 
is the hope that a policy report like this can maybe convince some of those 10% at least that this is a good idea? Well, not not just those 10%. And, and indeed, I was very drawn to that 10%, I must say. And it would be great to speak to those if, if they're able to do that. And, and we'll, be, we'll be looking at opportunities through Connor's research to be able to have an open door to as many people as possible who want to speak to us about their views. But not just that 10%. We found that in the almost unanimous votes at, at the three Congresses that everybody voted for integration, but nobody had a clear conception of what it would look like. So there's a range of views on what equality means. And for that reason, there are maybe those who wouldn't agree with equality per se. There are others at the other end of the continuum who are arguably very clear in favour of equality. But yet we have to put in place what we think are a set of agreed principles and values that can now hopefully on a consensual basis guide the negotiations and the outcome of, of what it would what it would look like. So, I mean, there was there was probably two main observations that we drew out when we looked at Gulf Ireland and when we looked at the case studies around the world. And interestingly, there was there was an interesting case study in Gulf New Zealand, cricket Australia, UK sport and English and Welsh cricket. By and large, all of the mergers and the term merger was used in, in other scenarios. Most of the mergers between men's and women's NGBs have occurred in the last 30 years or so in a neoliberal context. So some of that's been driven by financial imperatives, rationalization, minimal duplication of services. We see it in the public sector as well and and in the private sector. So typically then in that kind of a scenario, women have tended to be the weaker party when you've had the conjoining of NGBs. For instance, in, in Australian women's cricket, it was even described by some of the researchers there as almost being cap in hand because they lacked assets, revenue, power and influence. So that was the first observation. And the second one was that in that context, integration, which is the term that's in the motion of the three associations here, in in other contexts, that process led to the absorption of the women's NGB, typically by their men's counterpart, sometimes forced from the top down into the the pre-existing organizational template, if you will, of the larger typically men's organization. So in that regard, when that happened, there were also missed opportunities for structural reform, genuine structural reform, aside from the creation of what was usually another operational axis for women's, you know, add women and stir to the existing template. Now, in Gaelic games, we know that structural reform will be needed to deliver equality. And there are also opportunities to to address concerns around over-governance, especially at county board level, which has been described by some to us as almost governance heavy. And and something similar had happened in Gulf Ireland. So in our interviews, Connor and I were involved with with stakeholders who've led that process in Gulf Ireland. And they said something similar to us. For instance, the old GUI was even described as four tails wagging one dog because of the power of the provincial boards, if you were. So the risk, I think, is that in the absence of very real structural reform, guided by equality and underpinned by transformative leadership, the long-held values could exert an undue influence over integration. Okay. And those who worked very hard to progress women's Gaelic games could be on the periphery in anything that might resemble absorption or consolidation. So for that reason, our fifth recommendation is that we consider the establishment of a new Gaelic Games organization, underpinned by principles and values, the leading one being equality. 
Okay, um, and on the face of it, that might be too radical for some people, but it might not be. It might be, you know, we, we have entered a kind of weird period where some some stuff is getting done much more quickly now, particularly uh, post-COVID, where the organisation realises it needs to change. And there's also pressure from government to hit quotas in terms of board members, which obviously you could do pretty easily if you integrated uh, properly or if you set up a new organisation. So there's a, a little window where... Um, there is power and influence on the basis that government funding won't be forthcoming if the GEA doesn't change. And we have had relatively strong sports minister pronouncements on that just recently. Connor, is it your sense that work similar to what you're doing at the moment is ongoing within the GEA? Mary McAleese obviously presented to annual Congress, um, the last Congress, uh, this year's one at 2023. Do you think that there's whatever work is being done is actually thinking in, in the same or similar terms to what you're doing at the moment? Yeah, so for anyone who isn't aware, we do have a steering committee at the minute consisting of three presidents, the three CEOs um, and Mary McAleese is chair of that group and I suppose I have approached the steering committee um, you know Offering, offering our services and, and advice, as, as Katie alluded to, we are coming from an, an evidence-informed, theoretically underpinned point of view, and we feel that the research can be of benefit um, to the committee. And you know, we're, we're very happy to support the committee in, in any capacity we can. I've had some really productive conversations with the likes of Hilda Breslin in the Camogie Association and Larry McCarthy in the, in the GAA and you know, were really keen to get this research, get the the research paper and the policy brief across to to present former President Mary McAleese and and be of service. And as Katie has alluded to before as well, it's it's so complex this merger or integration compared to some of the the research we've looked at before because you have three associations across you know two jurisdictions on one island you have that strong history and tradition and the fact that it will be an integration of unequals in a lot of senses when you look at the representation and the the annual revenues but what we're looking at is you know potentially if you were to rip the script up for Gaelic games and start a new association or organization today in 2023 what would that look like? And how would that be was instead of, you know, three associations formed in, you know, the early 1800s and, and 1884 and 1904 and 1974, you know, if we were to start a new association today, what would that look like? And, and what would be best looking forward for, for males and females together for, for young boys, young girls growing up in our game? Um, how would that association look? That sounds like a, a really good idea. Um, Katie, before we wrap this up, what do you think is a realistic time frame for this? Because it's obviously been spoken about now for a long period of time. If if we're to do this properly, what's realistic? Well, it's a, that's a great question, Jar. I mean, the, the, the policy brief is available from today, open access. Everybody go and look at it. I would say go and look at page eight because everybody would be interested in the timeline where we've captured how many times the idea has been visited in the Gaelic Games context. And it's been dating back to the 1970s is the short answer to that. Now, I agree with you, Jar, that in some ways 
that there are parallel structures and, and similar operations within the three associations. So a lot of progress could be made in some areas, whereas there will be a little bit more work to be done in others. But based on what we've seen both in Gulf Ireland, which is a, a national local example, as well as internationally, we think that to do this well and to plan for a full integration process, it could take up to five years or more. And that would be to do it well. And what would that mean? Well, essentially, it would mean that the systems of work and the organizational structures of, of a new entity would support male and female members equally across all units. So we're thinking players, administrators, coaches, officials. A funding model would prioritize investment for a time-bound period in the Gaelic games played by girls and women. Clubs and counties would have dedicated financial support to realize integration. And that might be through new funding streams or additional funding streams. And there will be a, a quota approach, a target approach in place to ensure that women are fully integrated into the decision-making governance structures of Gaelic games. Now, all of that could be monitored and evaluated. And we think that within five years' time, the blueprint would be there where a strategic plan could then deliver on equality, probably a very realistic target then in a, in a decade where we would genuinely have an organisation that is both equal in terms of its principles, but in practice, delivering that on the ground. Okay. Okay. It sounds like it's a great, well, it, sorry, it's a great piece of work. It all sounds in uh, theory like it's very realisable. And then obviously it meets the real world of GA politics. And um, and that's when all the excitement starts and we, <laughs> and we get to see what comes next. But uh, we wish you the, both the, the very best of luck with it. Um, and so, Connor, it, it's obviously ongoing from your perspective, um, again, uh, I, I understand that the worst thing you can ask any PhD student is uh, when are you going to finish it? But when, when are you going to finish it, Connor? <laughs> <laughs> no, we're not too keen on time frames here. And even just to follow on, just to finish off on Katie's point, it's hard to put a time frame on something like this. From a structural point of view, we could have an integration or a merger. But the problem is if we want one that's underpinned by equality, which is, you know, what we've um, the language that's been used by the steering committee, it could take longer than five years for us to have genuine equality um, because we're trying to change attitudes, behaviours and perceptions of people, which isn't necessarily something we can put a, a time frame on. Um, so just to finish off on that, my PhD, since going full time in February, I'll have another couple of years Um of that and we'll have another couple of studies which will be focused around this area as well probably looking at a, a more wider sense of how gender some of the gender inequalities in sport and leadership worldwide and then we also want to conduct a national survey at some point um, to try and get a better understanding of what's happening on the ground within Gaelic Games, some of the fears, concerns, perceptions that people have about an integration and what that actually might look like. So, um, don't know if it's going to be a straight line, but we'll we'll see where it takes us. Yeah, and sorry, Katie. One last thing: it's really important that there's male allyship here. That this isn't just the female organisations shouting for equality. That there are strong male voices within the GEA who come forward and say, "This is the right thing to do because it's the right thing to do." Yeah, I mean, one of our recommendations is that we have transformative leadership throughout this process. I think Connor and Aoife and I are doing, doing a decent job. And I'm sorry Aoife couldn't be with us this morning. She's actually traveling at the moment. But I mean, we're covering the three provinces. 
We are deeply embedded in the history and heritage of Gaelic games ourselves, but much more than that, we're trying to bring our expertise to bear in a very practical and constructive way. And you're right, if, if there is transformative leadership, I think with the right people involved in this process, there can be a very, very positive outcome. All right, Dr. Katie Listen and Conor Myler, we'll leave it there for now. Best of luck with it. Uh, it is a great piece of work. We'll tweet out links to it as well, but everybody should go and dig into it. Um, very, very accessible. Uh, so my thanks to Katie Listen and Conor Myler for explaining all that to us this morning. OTB AM with Gillette Labs. Get the ultimate shave or your money back. Neon Night Edition, available now.